Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Happy March, everyone. Spring is nearly upon us. This isn't my very favorite time of year, to be honest. I am just such an autumn, but there is something really magical about spring, and I'm, I'm being totally literal here. Each morning, I drive to work at the exact same time. I'm a total creature of habit, and every day, the sky is a little bit brighter. The growing season starts really early here uh, in the part of Southern California where I live, and um, the almond orchards behind our house are already blooming. My tulip bulbs have already popped, and those are my absolute favorite flowers, so it's just really exciting when they make an appearance. They're usually the first in the garden. They're the harbingers of spring here. Um, I will be cleaning out the vegetable garden soon, getting the herb gardens cleaned up. This is all the old lady stuff that just gets me really excited. Our grandmas knew what was up. You know, they'd just be out on the porch, drinking sweet tea, watching the hummingbirds, just happy as hell. Spring is legit. What else? We are looking forward to a full moon on the 7th, I think, and that'll be lovely. I know that there are a lot of big intentions in the work um, for this full moon. I know uh, my besties, it's her last day of a really crappy soul-sucking job, so I'm excited for her. Um, And then last week, we talked about reincarnation and past lives. And I mentioned that I suspect I was attacked with a knife in a past life, just due to some very specific sense memories that I have that have nothing to do with anything that has ever happened to me or even a loved one in this lifetime. And so I asked for your stories and I got a lot of really cool responses and I wanted to read a couple. Uh, One was from the Discord server and this was from a witch who describes this visceral sense memory of falling to their death in a past lifetime. Um, Similarly, a witch on Facebook had this to say, Uh, Since I can remember, I've had a ridiculous phobia of cotton balls. I can't have them in my house. If I have blood drawn, I beg them not to use a cotton ball to stop the bleeding. If I see them in their raw form, I feel like my teeth are sweating and my throat feels like it's closing up. I've had a suspicion that this is related to a past life, and now I am definitely going to work to find out. Another message came from Instagram, and this witch said... Uh, In my past life regression, I was a peasant woman outside of a thatched house. It felt like I was protecting my home and my family. A barbarian on horseback hit me in the head with a hatchet. I immediately came out of it, but had the most excruciating headache of my life. I think that's why I am still extremely protective of my home and my family. Another past life tale from the Facebook group is this one. Um, Even though I grew up in a very Catholic, although at times weirdly pagan, household, we always spoke of reincarnation. When I was young, probably around three, I told my mother of my, quote, before family. I gave her the names of my family and told her that the village had burnt down. Apparently the names sounded African in descent, but unfortunately she didn't write them down. She was adamant that it was legitimate memory, and in her words, this was before the Lion King and we are Caucasian Australians, how would you have known African names? I've never fully been able to tap back into this memory, but from other past life meditations, I sense that I have amends to make in this life. 
not in a people-pleasing way, but perhaps I was a bit too focused on status rather than altruism. Now that last bit is especially interesting to me um, because in that reincarnation episode, we didn't really get too deep into the implications of a past life that maybe wasn't so well lived. We didn't really speak of you know karmic debt or anything like that, but it can come into play when we do go backwards into those lifetimes and we discover things about our former lives. It can be really helpful to know what kinds of lessons we are here to learn. And just one more from the Facebook group. I had decided to go hedge riding, which is traveling between realms in a deep meditative state. The next thing I know, I was walking through a settlement at dusk in autumn. It felt and looked Anglo-Saxon. It was completely immersive. The dogs, horse smells, fire, smoke, babies crying, men sitting talking quietly, tired women carrying pails or just sitting outside thatched huts. I absolutely knew this tribe. My settlement was in trouble. Crops weren't good and sickness was showing. I needed to help and I had to travel up into the mountains to speak to a hermit living in a cave. I walked and tried to climb up the mountain. I was exhausted. I slipped and kept tripping. My hands were bleeding and I was covered in dust. I got to the hermit's cave and begged for help. Just as he began to talk to me, I was literally ripped back into the present with such force that I lay on the bed feeling really sick and disoriented and overwhelmed with a sense that I'd failed. I've never forgotten it and I've never resolved what that experience was. So I am just loving all of this interaction. It's such a trip. And I'd love for more people to jump in and speak their piece. So if you'd like to reach out, I am most easily reached via email at eli at middleagedwitch.com. Or you can send a message through the website, which is middleagedwitch.com. And if all else fails, you can DM me on social media at at middleagedwitch. Um, the Facebook group is called Middle-Aged Witch Coven, and I will link it in the episode description. And you can also find me on the Discord server, which is also called Middle-Aged Witch Coven, and I will link that as well. Now this week, we are going to talk about a witchcraft concept that's a bit more obscure than the usual topics that we cover here. We are going to talk about thought forms specifically the thought forms that are sometimes called servitors. And this is a concept most people will recognize from chaos magic. It's also something that's been explored in so-called ceremonial white witchcraft, and it actually has roots in uh, Tibetan Buddhist mysticism, um, specifically in the form of tulpas. Um, And this topic was a suggestion from a witch called Daksha. And in the course of our discussion, we also talked about getting more into the subject of chaos magic at large. But goddamn, that is such a vast concept. Um, But I feel like we can dip our toes in the chaos waters a little bit by talking about thought forms just to begin. Um, And maybe, I don't know, maybe we can begin to wade into chaos magic a little at a time, maybe in future episodes. But chaos magic kind of puts people off sometimes. We're just going to just begin where we are for now. So in a very simplified sense, a thought form is just an entity that is created by a witch to carry out specific tasks on the witch's behalf. 
It's essentially a splinter of the witch's consciousness that is sent out separately from the witch to do any number of things. The witch may send out this thought form to collect information. Uh, Maybe it's created to act as a healing entity. Uh, The witch may task it with divination or protection or whatever the case may be. And there are different methods that a witch can use to create and designate the purpose of a thought form. And it mostly just depends on your preferences. As with literally everything else, when it comes to witchcraft, there is no one right way. Now, in his book, Condensed Chaos, which was published in 1994, chaos magician Phil Hine writes at length about servitors, how to create them and how to use them. Um, Artist and occultist Austin Spare, who developed a lot of groundbreaking magical concepts and who developed the method that I personally use to create sigils, believed that the same method he devised for creating sigils could be used to endow those symbols with sentient thought, essentially transforming them from regular old sigils into thought forms, although he did not use that term. In his writings, he declared that feeding sigils with free belief incubates quote-unquote obsessions, which in turn gives rise to these entities. Basically, we believe in it, and therefore, we make it a reality. Another book called Helping Yourself with White Witchcraft, and this one was published in 1972 by Al Manning, pairs the idea of thought forms down to a very manageable proposition. On the topic of thought forms, Manning writes this, Essential to your progress in becoming an effective witch is a knowledge of the reality of non-physical entities. We will call the entities that you build or create yourself thought forms. The real power of your ritual work will come as you learn to build a fully living entity by molding the energy generated by your creative imagination with your constructive will. So in so many words, we are creating a consciousness that is separate from ourselves and then projecting it out into the world to do whatever we want it to do. I know this is some pretty out there shit. And chaos magic is like that. You know, as a concept, it is very nebulous. It is very slippery. But stay with me because there is solid ground beneath all of this. I'm going to give kind of a crash course in Manning's method for creating thought forms, which is a bit simpler in its approach. And then I'll go through the Heinz method, which is a lot more complex. But that's because the servitors it creates are themselves more complex. They're capable of more complex operations. Now, Manning's method really only requires, as he puts it, the energy of your hands, your heart, and your mind. Now, before you begin this or any method, you need to know exactly what your thought form's purpose is going to be. If you want it to help you find a new apartment or something, visualize the exact specifications of this new place, like how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, monthly rent, um, east side of town, close to shopping, or whatever. Know very clearly what you want this thought form to do. 
and in this example, we want it to help us find this new apartment. Now that we know exactly what it's for, I'm going to read directly from page 54 here and just let Mr. Manning teach us how to create it. Hold your hands a comfortable distance in front of you with your palms facing each other. Let your fingers curl in a relaxed manner and bring your hands together until your fingertips are about two inches apart. Now, will the vital energy to flow between your hands and feel the energy build up between them. Even the slight sensation of heat or tingling indicates that the energy is flowing in response to your direction. As energy builds in power, begin to program it by projecting your clearly formed thought into it from your mind while you add love energy from your heart. Picture your thought, the realization of your desire, clearly in the energy between your hands. Thus, it is easy to love. Continue to program and love the energy field until you feel it take on a life of its own. Then you can release it in love to gather the physical matter it needs to manifest. Manning's book has so many examples of how to effectively use thought forms. And I do recommend his book. It's like 50 years old, but there's so much to it. Not just thought forms, but all kinds of cool, like early 70s era magic. Now, Heinz method asks a bit more of us up front because rather than simply using our own will and energy to create the thought form out of thin air, Heinz invites the witch to use symbols and correspondences to really specify and bolster the servitor's abilities and its functions. Heinz uses the term servitor rather than thought form, but just, you know, for the purposes of this episode, um, we will be using those terms interchangeably. Now, Heinz breaks down the creation of a servitor into several steps. First, define the general intent for this entity that we are creating. Is this a protective servitor? Is its purpose to bring us luck, success? What is its general purpose? Figure that out, and that's step one. Step two is to define the servitor's specific intent. According to Heinz, this is where we create the core of the servitor's purpose, its mission statement, if you will. And this is where we need to intimately understand what exactly we want this servitor to do and how. If its general intent is to bring us love, then step two is where we get real specific about what that looks like and what it definitely doesn't look like. We don't care how perfect this new lover is if they're already married with a baby on the way. Make a very clear mission statement for your servitor. Step three is to curate some symbols that are appropriate to the servitor's task. Now, you may recall that I spoke about Austin's spare earlier and the spare method of creating sigils. Um, I will link to the sigil episode that we did that goes into spare's sigil-making method, but what is so powerful about this method is that it combines the written word with a number cipher to create a symbol. That symbol is the sigil, and it represents our manifestation, whatever it may be. And this is how 
Heinz creates his thought forms, his servitors. His method uses the spare sigil method as one of the possible steps to create the symbolism that we are going to assign to the servitor. Heinz also recommends using planetary symbols or color correspondences or numerology or herbs or specific scents, incense, whatever else you may decide to use to impart meaning and significance to your thought form. Heinz suggests meditating on um, any of well, just focusing on all of the possible correspondences that you can think of that will help to make this servitor as real and as vivid as it's possible to be. The more layered and rich the symbolism is, the more powerful the servitor will be. And then the next step is to determine the time factor for your servitor. Will it be working continuously or off and on? or for a limited duration after which it won't be needed anymore. Figure out the answers to these questions and then work the answers into the symbolism that you're creating for it. If this is a healing servitor, you may incorporate its its duration into its creation. And Heinz gives an example for a healing servitor, which he encodes as follows. To promote rapid recovery and health in the name of the target, working at intervals of seven minutes every seven hours for seven days, the sum of which is the spell of your life. You see what I mean? And there are a few other minor considerations such as, you know, naming the servitor or assigning a specific shape or look to it, but these are entirely at the discretion of the creator. And so is, for that matter, the method of launching your servitor. There are a hundred different ways to do it, and whatever method you typically use to work any sort of spell is going to work for this as well. Cast a circle, light a candle, focus your intent, speak your words, visualize, raise energy, and release it. As it happens, sex magic is a fantastic way to launch a servitor. Now, the Heinz method, as I said, is not simple. It's a lot more involved than the Manning method. And if you're just barely considering getting your feet wet with thought forms, probably the Manning method is gonna be more your speed. But there's a lot we can do with these entities. I recommend Manning's book wholeheartedly, but for the Heinz method, I really do love Condensed Chaos or um, another book called Prime Chaos, which is also by Phil Heinz. He just has a way of getting to the point that a lot of books on chaos magic just don't. There is a tendency in chaos magic to be almost deliberately obscure. There is a lot of gatekeeping in this discipline and a lot of overcomplication. And I do not truck with that. The purpose of chaos magic is to actually strip away all of the unnecessary dogma And, you know, the pomp and circumstance and the levels and the degrees and all of the muckety-muck of other magical traditions. Chaos magic is all about fuck around and find out. Trial and error. Error. (laughs) It is intimidating, but we don't need to be intimidated. So I hope you'll consider giving this a go. I hope you'll consider checking out these books. These are weird concepts. I know, this isn't what you'd call normal, probably. But what the hell are we doing this for? Not to be normal.
that's for sure. So, as always, transcripts for this and every episode are available on the website, and I hope you have a magical full moon, and we'll talk again next week. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. The content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.